Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, I'm super excited for my guest today, drafted by the Pirates back in 2016, a pitcher now with the Marlins uh, in their organization, Jeff Hartlib. How's it going, man? I'm great, man. It's good. Happy to be here. Yeah, dude, I'm happy to be able to get this done. I wish we had done it in person. No big deal. Yeah, it's uh, Zoom Zoom works, but uh, yeah. definitely. Uh, how how? Let's just start off with like spring training stuff. We were kind of talking before we jumped on here, but like, how has that whole um, experience so far been for you? And is it different than any other organization, or they're all pretty much similar kind of things? I would say spring spring's been great so far. Besides, you know, not being able to participate in a lot of yeah. stuff. But other than that, uh, I really like it down here. And no, not all spring trainings are created equal. Uh, every team does it a little bit differently. You know, facilities are different. Uh, the time that your workday starts is different. Um, requirements from each individual player and how much you need to be there and what you need to do, how the veterans go about around the clubhouse, mm-hmm. everything like that. And uh, so far with the Marlins, it's been really cool. Uh, yeah. I've enjoyed it quite a bit. It's a good mix. I know probably everybody says this, but like it really is like a good mix of guys like they signed some vets. They've had some guys returning. Uh, some guys are making some money, but also there's a lot of youth on the team. And I don't know. We got guys like Johnny Quaid open around for 15 years, and it's on my lockers right next to it. He's oh, my nice. mate. So it's like it's cool to see watching him throw flag rounds every day when he plays catch and the command he has and like how he goes about his business. He doesn't waste any effort. He doesn't you know do anything he doesn't he doesn't need to do that doesn't help his process. And uh, so it's cool to see guys like that and learn from that. And, you know, we've got a whole new staff pretty much. So I wasn't here last year, obviously, with the old staff. But Skip has been cool. I mean, it's been exciting to see how excited he is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I really enjoy being around those guys. And I think what they want to do and how they want to go about it is the right way. And I'm excited to be a part of it. Hopefully I get a chance to be. Yeah. And how do you kind of like get to know all your new teammates? Because obviously last year, different organization. This year, you yeah. know, with the Marlins. Um, mm-hmm. like, have you got to know most of the, the players now? Obviously, it's a huge group in spring training and stuff. But uh, I mean, how's that been for you? Yeah. yeah, I actually came down here early, and so I was with a lot of the guys who were like younger and uh, who were down here early working, who've been in the organization for a while. Mm-hmm. And so I got to meet a lot of them that way. Oh, nice! And it was a nice way to get an intro to them, honestly, because then when camp started, yes, it was a huge group, but I had already met about half of them, and I had relationships with a couple of them too. So like. It was cool from that standpoint, but it is, this is my third year in a row being like the new guy, you know, going yeah. around. And so I, when I, my first six years with the pirates was just straight pirates. And so I, you know, you know, everybody, you know, everybody's mm-hmm. staff, you know, all the players. And it's just like a comfortable feeling showing up. It's like going back to school, you, you leave yeah. for summer break, you come back, it's like going back to school. It's good as everybody. And then you start going to new teams, middle of the season, or even to start a new year and learn everybody's name. It's a, uh, it's a chore at times, but it's it's nice because once you start to, you know, you break it open a little bit and you are around these guys every single day, relationships start to form pretty quickly because mm-hmm. you spend a lot of time together. And so it's very cool. It's awesome to meet new guys every year. Uh, and like I said before, like a lot of these guys are, they seem like awesome dudes. You know, I, I've enjoyed it quite a bit getting to meet, getting to meet them and get to know them. Yeah. And you, you talked about Johnny Cueto, obviously, like w- World Series champ, like he's been around forever and ace on different teams. Um, yeah. Have you been able to like pick his brain or maybe someone else has been kind of like established um, longer than you have mm-hmm. and kind of just picked their brain and kind of got to see what's working for them? You know, Johnny, we got the language barrier going a little That's bit. That's true. There. That is you true. Know, I, I speak a decent, a little bit of Spanish and he speaks a good amount of English. He's been around yeah. long enough now too. Uh, I haven't picked his brain too much. For me, it's more about like him and Sandy Alcantara. Uh, yeah. 
just getting to see how they go about it. It's very impressive. Uh, Johnny, like I said, with the way he commands the ball and mm-hmm. he knows exactly what he wants to do. He's been doing it for forever. Uh, and Sandy's fresh off the hills at Cy Young and body control and the way he can move slowly through his delivery and like, you know, save his arm while throwing, but still get exactly what he needs to out of it and work on stuff. It's a skill that I don't, I haven't always had and I'm yeah. still trying to perfect it too. But, you know, there's a reason he's as good as he is and it's because he's so repeatable and he does everything right all the time. And he's an extremely hard worker. So seeing guys like that who've done it and who've done really well and succeed at the highest level, being around those guys every day, I've got a good process. I know what I want to do, but you can always learn something. And so being around those guys is great. Yeah. I mean, like you talked about those two guys and especially Sandy Alcantara, like just want to say young, probably one of the top three, four pitchers, if not the top pitcher in the NL. Um, What makes him so good? I mean, you kind of just talked a little bit about it, but just kind of looking like taking a step backwards and looking at it as a teammate, like what makes him such like a dominant pitcher? I would say, you know, I haven't known him long, but he's not a guy who's going to jump in front of the group and talk, 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 but he's going to show you what it looks like to do it the right way. And I feel like guys pretty quickly, uh, I've always been a hard worker and I think people see that as well but when he walks in the room and guys look at him i think it raises the level of everybody else too because mm-hmm. if he's working that hard and he's that guy and he's already done all that yeah. you know you've got to you've got to bring it to that level as well and i think that's just that's the best thing you could possibly be as a leader for a pitching staff and you know the his stats speak for themselves and everything he does like that but i would say the biggest thing that speaks to who he is as a pitcher is how deep he goes into ball games every time he can you know he's I don't know if anybody went in the ninth inning as many times as he did last year. Yeah. And he's probably going to do the same thing. So a guy like that is – you can take a lot of things from him and his process and everything he does. Yeah. I went to uh, see the the Marlins play the the Brewers last season, toward the end of the season. Um, and mm-hmm. I was I went there to go see Jake Fishman, who's now with the Athletics, I think, and Brian Hoeing. Both of them have been in the pod. Um, and I'm like, okay, they're probably not even going to get into the game because he was pitching. Yeah. And I think he took like a one-hitter or maybe uh, – whatever it was until like the ninth inning. And then I think they finally, or he might actually, he might've pitched the whole game. Actually. I can't remember. Probably but. did, man. That's all the time. <laughs> I was like, okay, oh, yeah, I'm not going to see these guys. And I'm like, he's probably going to pitch a perfect game against us. And he almost did. Like he was, he's just, un- he's incredible, especially in person. Just watching him. It's like, dang, like, that guy's so good. He's bigger than you think he is too. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, the Jersey's not always tight fit and I don't think his super is, but like, he's a big dude. He's tall. He's strong. He's, you know, he is who he is. Right. No, absolutely. So let's kind of get into your yeah. your story and backgrounds. You have a more unique path toward like pro ball and stuff. Um, you weren't always, you know, that was, baseball wasn't always your focus. Um, kind of give me like a background and like uh, from high school to like, or maybe even younger. Like, when did you start taking baseball seriously? Um, I would say I started taking baseball seriously. Honestly, my second year of college. Uh, I mean, and that's the, crazy. You know, just it was what it was. Yeah. Like I, I always played baseball growing up. I played with all my buddies and then, uh, but basketball is what I did full time year round. I played mm-hmm. and I always, it's what I fell in love with first. My dad was a basketball coach. I was just always in the gym growing up. And so when it was time to decide to go to college, that was already what I've been planning for. And I mm-hmm. signed early and I was, I was going. So my senior year, they didn't want me to play baseball. My college didn't want me to, uh, but it was my last chance to play anything with my friends for the rest of my life, really, you know? So I played, I'm, I'm glad I did. It was a lot of fun. Uh, that season ended and then I went to college to play basketball and I did not like college basketball. Uh, Why not? It was just, it was a lot. And 
burnout. I think just the general, that word is used a lot, but like, I really just think I got burned out. Mm. I fell in love with the game a little bit, the school and what I was told when I was going to go there. It just didn't all come to fruition and I, it just wasn't for me. And so I told my parents, you know, I was going to walk away from a full scholarship and my dad wasn't super thrilled about that prospect, but, uh, and I don't now being on this side yeah, of it, you don't blame him. and seeing how, how money actually works and stuff. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame him at all. But, uh, at the time it was just like, I really don't want to do this. But my mom was telling me, you know, and I agreed with her. I did not want to go to school to be a regular student. Yeah. I would have to get a job and that was not what I wanted to do. Yeah. So one day, uh, my best friends on campus, Evan McGaffey, uh, one of my teammates on the basketball team, we just, season was over and so we were just we were still at school mm-hmm. and we were just outside after class one day we grabbed a couple gloves and a baseball and we were just throwing it across the quad and uh the catcher for the team saw us throwing and he asked me if i wanted to come out he said I, you just quit the basketball team right and i said yeah he said you want to come out and throw a bullpen for the for our coach and he's like i'll set it all up for you and i said sure and i did probably five days later or something like that maybe a week and uh, they offered me a scholarship to stay at school oh, wow. and play baseball, but I didn't. I didn't want to go to school there anymore. Yeah, but that was really the first time that I was like, "Hey, maybe I could play baseball or whatever." And so I reached out to some schools. A couple reached back, uh, but Coach Bletcher at Lindenwood, and they just went from D two to D one. Oh, D2 nice. When I was there, this is their first season being full year D one. So shout out to those guys. Mm-hmm. But uh, I he emailed me back within like an hour. And I went down and threw a bullpen the next week. They offered me a scholarship. And then I was going to Lindenwood University. And it was closer to home. And it was, I loved the school. I had a great time there. And my first year, like I said, it was pretty much I just played because I didn't want to get a real job. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to have to do that. And they were paying for part of my school. So it was a win-win-win for me. And then we just had some like advisors, you know, reach out to my parents. And our coaches were kind of just kind of talking to my parents like, you know, this might be, you know, he's probably our number one, like, guy we talk to people about when they're going to come watch the team. Oh, wow. My dad, yeah, my dad was just like, I mean, it's a D2 school, so there's not a yeah, ton of that yeah. coming in. Uh, and I was very raw. I mean, extremely raw. Like, I I was just chucking the ball. And uh, I could throw pretty hard, thankfully. That's what got me drafted. But How hard were you throwing in college? I was probably around 92 most of the time, but I yeah. got to like 96, 97 oh, okay. ish. Yeah. Just randomly, I, I would because my mechanics were so brutal. It was just like it all link up once and it'd be 96, and that's what happened. Uh, so I got drafted by uh, Matt Bimel, my the scout for the Pirates. And uh, yeah, I, I started taking it more serious my, my second year once I kind of thought this could be something. Mm hmm. I still didn't think I would get drafted, honestly. You know, I would have called you crazy if I you said all this would happen for me, but mm-hmm. it did. And then I got into Pro Bowl and I started taking it extremely seriously and it kind of took off from there. So it's yeah. been, no one really believes me when I tell them I was a college basketball player when I meet these guys for the first time, you know, uh, just coming to new camps and new teams and stuff. But yeah, it's a weird story, but that's how I fell into it. Yeah, so in high school and stuff, you never had any like college visits for baseball or really recruited. You were just pretty much like, I'm going to go ba- the basketball route. I took one college baseball visit, and that was Linda Wood a week after I started throwing baseball again, my freshman wow. year of college. And I signed four days later or yeah. something like that. And then I went and played a summer college league for that they put me in, and then I went to school there. Yeah. What? What? Uh, where did you play summer ball? I played in the St. Louis Collegiate Baseball League for a year. Okay. The next year, I went to the Prospect League, and it's all around the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And I was supposed to go to the Northwoods the year I got drafted. Yeah. 
by the Mets, but I didn't go. Uh, I was just little. I just I just didn't go to Northwoods, and I probably should have, but I didn't. And, yeah. Uh, it worked out though. All right, I went back to school the next year and got drafted again. So, yeah. But I was going to go play up in your neck of the woods. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We had the Mallard just I don't know twenty mm-hmm. twenty so minutes from right right there. I was going to play for the. Is there like a River City team or something like that? Uh, uh, there might rats. be. Yeah, something. Uh, I don't know. There's a walk. There's, there's. I mean, I know teams are always changing in those yeah. leagues, but there, I can't remember who I was going to play for. Yeah, there's, there's, there's several out here, but uh, yeah, I mean, really, it's a really good league, and obviously, a lot of. I think league. it's more yeah. hitter league than I think. Like the Cape's more like pitching. I think. I think yeah. that's kind of what I've been told. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um. So you got drafted by the Mets. Like, what made you not want to go that route? Like, were you just thinking, you know, I can kind of bet on myself and go higher the next year or what was kind of your mindset heading into that well like i said it was it just it was so kind of very new the idea of going to play professional yeah. baseball and actually my mom had just gotten sick and passed mm. away right before that year gotcha. or during that year and so she passed away and then i came back and i hadn't pitched in a few weeks and i came back right before playoffs and pitched in playoffs mm-hmm. and then the summer started and i got drafted and it was just like you know, my head wasn't in it all sure. the way. And for a lot of reasons, I just want to stay close to my family at that time. Mm-hmm. And I was having a good time that summer with my buddies, honestly. Yeah. You know, like the first time I got drafted, we were just sitting in my dad's backyard and they had, they had like hidden champagne and they we were just sitting there all day messing around. We didn't know if it was going to happen or not. And the 37th round just comes across a ticker. It's very a bunch of champagne and stuff. And it was cool. It just, yeah. uh, I wanted to go finish school and I'm very glad I did. Uh, I needed to go back for another year. I graduated and I've got that checked off in case I ever need yep. that thing. But, uh, did you get a real yeah, that job? Was, that was the main reason. Yeah. If I ever had to get, I hope I don't, but if I ever <laughs> have to get a real job, you know, I got the piece of paper because I can, I guess. What was your degree in? Uh, uh, uh I knew that question was coming. <laughs> um, it's like mass communications, all that hubba jumbo yeah, yeah, writing. Yeah. That kind of stuff. I, I got a couple of degrees actually intertwined in one. It kind of worked out, but it was like an interdisciplinary like studies one or something. Or you just no, kinda, it no. was like uh, something to do with sports that tagged along in there and like creative okay. writing. I, I was a pretty good writer. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I did like twenty four credits my last semester of college just Jeez. to get it all done. Yeah, in the middle of playing too. It was a wow. That was a grindy semester for sure. But I'm I'm glad it's all over with. You know, I'm, it's worth it now. Yeah. So, what was like your your draft day experience when you get drafted in sixteen by the Pirates, and like how was that different then? Because obviously, at that t- I'm sure at that point you're expecting to get drafted. Yeah. Versus we, you weren't before. Exactly. The first year we didn't really know, yeah. and uh, it was really cool when it happened. The second year, uh, I was out playing like softball with my buddies, and we were getting calls from like scouts and teams and stuff like that, and I was answering when I was like playing first base in the beer league softball with them. And, uh, then the draft came around and we were at my, my buddy T- Tyler Zappia, uh, T Zap, his house. And he just had a bunch of people over for a pool party. And it wasn't necessarily for the draft, but like it was just that day and it kind of worked out that way. Yeah. Uh, but I got the call at his house and everyone was there and we just, you know, had a good time afterwards. Yeah. It, it was a lot of fun. It was really cool. It's a good, a uh, good memory. But, uh, Went home that night and celebrated with my family and everything too. And so it was another thing where I was pretty, we were pretty sure it wasn't going to happen, but mm-hmm. I wasn't, I'd never want to make a big deal out of it because it's like, you never know. Yeah. And on that third day, I don't know how familiar you are with the draft, yep. but it's just like, once you get past like the yeah, 15, it's just a ticker, rounds, just, just scrolls. Like, 
think we're going across. No one's calling you to tell you. They call you afterwards type of thing. Oh, hey, yeah, we took you. Uh, so that was what I got. And then, don't get me wrong, it's really cool. Yeah. But uh, it's not one of those big like, oh, everyone's sitting around waiting. You're going to be a top 30 pick, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not like that. But it's still a very cool memory. Yeah, no, for sure. And then you jump right into the minor leagues, which is an absolute grind. Um, <laughs> just a grind of all grinds. I mean, you well, you went to JUCO basketball. Like, I don't know. Um, right? It was your basketball? No, it's not as much nowhere near minor oh, okay. league baseball. Nothing is nothing is like minor league baseball. Man. Okay. You can't. Nothing compares. Because I, I talked to guys who played JUCO baseball and like – like I was just talking to somebody. He's like, yeah, I, uh, I'm i like, what is your like juco es story? He's like, well, I had to get like a uh, – any, not Anytime Fitness, an LA Fitness membership because our gym was like very small yeah. and was never open. And if I wanted to work yeah. out, I had to go to like a, a local gym. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Yeah. But- yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, that's – and that's not far off of what – my first experience was in Bristol, Tennessee slash Virginia. It's a city that's split by the borders. Yeah. it's It shares both sides. And – uh yeah, that's that was low level rookie ball back then. There were like seven or eight levels, and I was on the seventh, so like the or the sixth or the seventh, like at the bottom. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was you know chicken coop lockers, some gross showers, <laughs> playing on a you know they have a lot of pride for that team in mm-hmm. that city. It's no longer a team that took away all that, mm-hmm. but uh, you know it was you go from. My high school field was nicer than that field. Yeah. Whenever we were going to play on it, I believe pro it. ball, and it's just it's a it's a very humbling like, dude, where am I? Like, what did I sign up for? Type feeling. Uh, but some of the best memories from baseball come from those first couple years playing because you make such good friendships with the guys you get drafted with, and you're going through the same crap together. Yeah. And yeah, it sucks a lot of times. You're not making any money, and there's a lot of reasons to complain about stuff. And guys do. Don't get me wrong. We yeah. all do. I did too. But Looking back on it now, I mean, it was freaking, it's cool. It's fun. Yeah. It, it was fun. Despite everything that happened, you know. What is one city you get off the bus, you just look around, you're like, dude, where am I? I'm in the middle of nowhere. There's like cornfields or like, there's like a nothing out, nothing around. It's just empty. Hickory, North Carolina is one off right off the top of the head. There's not a lot going on in Hickory, North Carolina. Uh, I mean, dude, if I sat here long enough, I could. Uh, <laughs> Bluefield, Virginia, low rookie uh princeton west virginia where the rays little rookie was like johnson city tennessee like there's just not there's a lot of cities that you play lower level minor league baseball in where there's not much going on besides minor league baseball in the summer yeah it's cool because fans come out and it's you know they they enjoy the team and everything but there's nothing to do besides what you're there to do which is probably good for a lot of guys in the way you know sure after the game what they're going to go do stuff like that but options uh, are limited Exactly. Oh, it's Taco Bell and McDonald's and back to the house, you know. So that's that's minor league baseball, though. It, it's changed a lot yeah. since I was at those lower levels. You know, they've cut out some levels. The standards are, are rising to what mm-hmm. they have to do for players. And it's getting a lot better, and that's for the better for yeah. everyone. You know, uh, I'm past that point in my career where those things aren't ever going to affect me. Right. But I think it's – I think it, it's right. It needs to happen. It's I'm behind what it was, what's all happening with those guys, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm a part of it and it's, it's exciting for them. You know, it's nice that they play these six week or six day series now where yep. you go to one spot and it's Elijah with my family now. So I'm very grateful that for that when I'm in AAA, but like when I first got into pro ball, man, it was, you know, you play six games at home against two different teams, no off day for 35, 40 days straight sometimes. You're hopping on a bus for 12 hours through the mm-hmm. night, sharing a seat, 
you you'll get there at 9 a.m you go sleep in your hotel for three hours you go to the field you play three you hop on a bus and go seven hours go somewhere else do the same damn thing again and then yeah yeah it's uh i i don't miss those days in terms of that but you know you find out what you're made of doing stuff like that yeah there's no doubt about it it's you make sure you want to be there and you're doing it for the right reasons and yeah, yeah, it makes a man out of you for sure. How did you um, balance? And I mean, obviously, you made it to the major, so this worked for you. But how did you balance like development? Because you always want to develop and become a better player, but also performance because you want to outperform everyone else because you want to get that call up. I mean, you're a team, but at the same yeah. time, you're kind of competing against everyone else. Yeah, I think it's different for different levels of guys, and mm-hmm. I put them into categories like when they're drafted. You know. First round to fifth round type guys, there's a lot more things. Opportunities are bountiful. You know, they could mess up four or five years in a row and it's, you know, they gave them a certain amount of money. So they're mm-hmm. going to keep getting those chances. And they got drafted on that high for a reason. They're very skilled. Guys in my, in the middle rounds, a little bit more leeway, but not a lot. And then you get down to the past the 20th round or so. And I was the 29th rounder with the Pirates, sink or swim, baby. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of the mentality I took with it when I got into Pro Bowl. I worked construction that first off season to just make more money to pay for my training. And I just, I dove all in. You know, I told myself and my, my then girlfriend, my now wife, I was going to give it two years. And then I would know at that point if I had a chance or not. And I showed back up after working with some guys in St. Louis, uh, P3 and they got me right. And I showed up showing 98 and just oh, I wow. was a different guy than I got drafted that first short season i was still like mainly 92 93 94 maybe and then i came back and i i got into my legs a little bit better my mechanics cleaned up a little bit this first time i took it super super serious honestly and it, it kind of took off i went to camp throwing harder i got noticed i made the low a team out of camp that year i absolutely dominated low a and went to high a and i did well in high a too and then i went to double a the whole the next year and so pretty quickly I realized, you know, I, I probably could do something if I just mm. kept up the success I was having and stayed healthy. Yeah. Uh, but for me, being a lower level guy, a lower, sorry, my kids on the, right. on the door over there, uh, being a lower round guy, it's like you can't really sit there and just worry about development, development, development. It's, it's very much so about results. And you can give yourself a little bit of a cushion, and I did, and I never needed to use it, but I could have probably at some point. But I always was going to show up as ready as I could and more ready than the next guy so that I just looked better than when I got there. And that's what got me noticing on the team my first spring training. And I'm forever grateful I did that. Yeah. You know, I'll never forget uh, a phone call I got from this guy who drafted me, Matt Bonnell, who I mentioned earlier. Uh, and if he sees this, he, I don't know if he'll be happy with me following it, but uh, he calls me and I had been at P3 and I was throwing live bullpens before I went down to spring. So I was throwing early. I was throwing on different programming they had wanted me to, but I was doing what I needed to get ready. Yeah. And yeah, I was getting ready too quick, but I wanted to come down there throwing 98. I wanted to be, I wanted to turn head so I could go make a team type mm-hmm. of thing. And they, they had done a live Instagram, Instagram live of our bullpen that night. And I guess some people in the Pirates organization had seen it and they were not super happy that I was not following the program. And I was throwing, I was already throwing at that velocity against hitters and I was not supposed to be there yet in my program for that yeah. off season. And uh, he calls me and he says, you know, what are you doing, man? Like, you know, pe- some people are pretty angry and upset that you might get hurt. And, you know, you might, you, you just don't need to be doing that right now. Yeah. And I, I kind of took it at first and I was like, yeah, you know, okay. Like, I'm sorry. You know, tell him it's my bad, whatever. And we talked for a few more minutes. And I hung up the phone and then I was in there. I was talking to my girlfriend and I was like, you know what? Like, 
no, I'm doing this for a reason. Like, screw that. And I called him back and I was just like, hey, man, like, you can tell whoever's mad. If they're going to sit here and tell me I'm going to double A and I'm guaranteed a spot on the team or I'm going to triple A and I'm guaranteed a spot on the team and they want to make me these promises, then, yeah, I'll stop throwing them. But if you want me to be who you, you know, are looking at now Mm -hmm. and I'm going to do everything I can to be as ready as possible. And I, I'm not going to apologize for that. Like, I'm, you know, I'm going to do what I need to do to show and look good. And crew. Hey buddy. And, uh, sorry. No, uh, my kid will come here, do the same thing sometimes. I'm, (laughs) I put it on the movie so they don't come down. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, but he, he hung up. He was like, all right, cool. You know, whatever. And uh, I just found out later, he's like, dude, I was talking to him probably a couple of years later at that point. And he was like, dude, that fired me up so much. Like, I got off the phone and I called him and I was like, this kid's ready. Like, he's, nice. you know, he's saying the right, like, and so, like, I wasn't doing it for that yeah. reason. But, like, that's what it, that's it what ended up being for me. And it was a mentality type thing. Like, I don't care what anybody else is doing. I need to do what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And it always brought me in ready for the, for the season. So, yeah. I'm glad I did it, you know. But that's the way I looked at it was like. I did not have as many opportunities to waste. And so I needed to take full advantage of what I had. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I love hearing that. Hopefully that helps other people kind of listening too. Um, you talked about throwing and hitting 98. Um, what's the hardest you've hit? And like, do you know, and, and obviously everybody wants to hit velocity now. Like what is your advice yeah. for people who want to throw harder? Because obviously you were able to gain a little bit of a mm-hmm. below. Yeah, I, uh, I've been over 100 quite a bit. Not for a little bit now. Uh, this was back in like high AA. Mm-hmm. And uh I was, you know, I've been up to, I think, 99 in the big leagues. Uh, but the highest I ever hit, I think well, I think I got a 101 in double A at the end of the season, nice. uh, which was just me throwing it. Was, I yeah. mean, it was absolutely as hard as I could. Like, no regard. It was probably like 0-2, 1-2. No regard for where the ball is going. Just literally throw as hard as you can, see what number you can put up. Uh, but I, my best advice for someone trying to throw harder is if you don't have the base and the foundation for it, it, it you're probably going to get hurt in the end trying to do it that way. If you're just trying to throw as hard as you can, I think it starts with movement patterns in the weight room and just being as strong as possible. And strength isn't everything. Uh, mobility, fluid movement, your mechanics are important. Mm-hmm. There's so many, so many small patterns and and movements in a pitching delivery that can make or break you. And I go through this stuff all the time, where you know you get a little out of funk, a lot of sink, and you've got to you got to work on a couple of things to not open up so quick. I mean. There's a ton of things that can hinder your velocity and there's a ton of things that can help your velocity that you don't even mm-hmm. realize you do. There are some guys who sit in their hips, so they sit in their back hips so well and push and they've never tried to do it in their entire life. That's just how they throw a baseball. And they naturally throw hard as hell be- because they just move that way. You mm-hmm. know, uh, being hypermobile for a lot of pitchers is something you can't teach either. It's just who you are yeah. as a person. It's how you move. And that always helps elasticity. Uh, but if, if you want to start somewhere and you, and you feel like you've got a good foundation for it, uh, working on taking everything right at the catcher and being able to move a lot of weight in the weight room is my my two biggest things. Because the arm should just be along for the ride if you're doing everything right. Your arm needs to be strong, obviously, and you've either got that or you don't. I don't mm-hmm. believe that you can gain 10 miles an hour from throwing fly mm-hmm. balls and all that stuff. I think there's a ceiling on all that. Sure. There's a ceiling that your body puts on you because of it knows what it can handle for the most mm-hmm. part. Uh, but you can always get stronger. And I think in the youth side of things, you know, 15 to 18, 19 years old, there's a lot of room for improvement there. Mm-hmm. And just directional movement. Uh, plyo balls are a good way to do that kind of thing. And there's there's definitely something to be able to be gained by cleaning up your arm mechanics. That's really what it's great for, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, 
I always have a hard time telling people exactly how to throw hard because it's it's like I said, like you different just, for everybody too. You, you just you just do it, you yeah. know, type of thing. It's it's hard to explain. I, I I do the best I can to put it into words when I used to work with kids too, but sometimes it's hard to. Yeah. yeah. When you hit 101 or 102 that first time, obviously you mm-hmm. said you were just throwing. Like, what was that feeling like? Because obviously it's a goal that so many people have yeah. to hit triple digits. Like, what was that mm-hmm. emotion and feeling when you finally hit that? Yeah, that one I didn't really know in the, in the moment. The first time I hit it, though, was in high A the year before. And I was one of my good buddies just sitting on the bullpen with me. He had just gotten called up, Jordan Jess. And I, I think I was just sitting out there and I was like, yeah, hey, I'm going to hit 100 today. Like, He's like, shut up. No, you're not. And I went out there and I, I just did it. Uh, I had a hundred and I came in and he was just like, you mother. Like, and it was just one of those things where uh, Florida's hot. Mm-hmm. It was a good time of the year later on in the season where arms at full strength, body was feeling pretty good. You're, you get hot when you stand up to go start throwing. You don't even have to do anything to, mm-hmm. to get your body moving the right way. And, uh, I was, trying to throw just as hard as I possibly could at that time in my, in my career as well. And then, you know, I, it was going well. There's a lot of confidence going through me too. I got called up. Everything was, it was going right. And so I think that plays a lot into it as well. Your confidence in what's going on up here yeah. is sometimes more important than whatever's going on with your body. And so all those things together kind of, it just happened. And it was a testament to the hard work I put in for sure, but I, I was blessed with an arm that could do it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was pretty damn cool. I won't yeah. lie. You know, it's seeing three digits up on the board is it's something a lot of guys, like I said, a lot of guys dream of, yeah. and it's yeah, it's really cool when it happens. So let's talk about your your calls. You obviously get called up to uh, by the Pirates, and um, how did they tell you that you're going to get promoted to the major league? And like, what was that whole emotion and feeling like? Obviously, you go from not really being a baseball player to now you're drafted twice, and now you're in the majors. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I was in AAA Indianapolis and my, uh, fiance had just graduated college and she was going to come stay with me for the first time in mm-hmm. my baseball career. And, uh, she got there that night and we went to bed and then I got a phone call. I don't know what time of night, probably 1130 midnight ish, uh, from our farm director. And he just said, Hey, uh, we can't get a hold of your manager. We don't know where he is, but, uh, that's why I'm calling you right now. But need to get on a plane in the morning, you know, you need to go to San Diego and meet the team. I need you up there. And, uh, when I saw his name pop up on my phone, I was like, I looked over at my, my fiance and I was like, Hey, it's either a really good call or a really bad call, you know, type of thing. And, uh, it was a great call. It was one of the coolest, just, uh, you know, realization moment, I think of everything you've been doing to that point and everything you've been worried about. Yeah. And, you know, just stuff you think about all the time for years to, to finally happen. And then, yeah, I got on, I don't think I slept maybe like an hour and a half, two hours that night. And, uh, it was out, we were in Indy, Indianapolis and we had to go to San Diego and, uh, my sister and her boyfriend, now a husband drove from Arizona out there. My dad and my stepmom flew out from St. Louis and my wife flew from Indianapolis after me out there. So everybody made it out. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I did not throw the first night when I got there. Thank God, because I was, Dude, I was so tired. Like I, I was sitting out in the bullpen, and I was, you know, I was so jacked up the first like six, and then it was like a really close game, and I was just sitting there. And I was like, man, I hope I do not throw right now. Like, went back and passed out that night, and then the next day, you fresh under you, you know, you woke up, go have breakfast. It was a normalish kind of day, even though time changed and everything was was weird too. But yeah, went to the park that night and uh, got into a game. You know, we were out four in the ninth inning, 
and uh, I came in and got to got to finish her off. So I got one, one two, three it was wow. really, really cool. Uh, San Diego is a beautiful spot. It's a beautiful park. It was a great place for the family to be mm-hmm. and, uh, everyone being there made it even more special. So it's a great memory I'll always have. Sure. And, uh, yeah, it was really freaking cool, man. I'm not, it's, I, it's just, it was really cool. <laughs> Do you remember the first person you faced in, like, in checkout? Oh yeah. Ian Kinsler, 90, 98 mile an hour sinker. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And it was yeah, like, it's, uh, it's cool. And you said, did you get the save or was it just, uh, you guys? No, we got by four. Okay. So I was <clears throat> one run away. I don't think I'd been put in probably my first game if it was a, if it was a save spot, but yeah. uh, they trust me with four then. Yeah. Wow. Ian Kinsler, 98 sinker. Yeah. Ian Kinsler, Manny Machado, Fernando Reyes in order. Yeah. Those, those are some names too. Like it's not just. Yeah. Machado. I got the, I think I got in the ground out maybe, or maybe pop out the first. It was, it, it, him and Fernando did one or the other. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and people always ask me, you know, how nervous I was that first time doing it and like what was going through me. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of my teammates who had been up before, they were like, you know, when you got there, like, don't look up, you know, don't look up at how right. bright the lights are and like how big everything is. Uh, but one of my things that always sets me, it's like a reset type thing mm-hmm. is I get out there and I take a big deep breath and I look around. Sure. And uh, I always look at the left field foul pole. I don't know why. It's just what I do. It's something they put into us when we were at the Pirates. It was like a, it was a trigger type thing, I guess. But it's where I always looked and I did and it really didn't bother me. And I was not nervous really in the moment. It was just kind of a thing where like it doesn't – I wasn't thinking about being the big leagues. I was just thinking about I got to get these guys out. Right. And yeah, it's – I mean, I remember parts of it and I remember what was happening, but it was so much going on at the time that like you just kind of black out and it happens and then all of a sudden you're – getting tossed the ball and the third out just happened and you're slapping hands and going in. Uh, and you know, I've been nervous and I, I get nervous still throwing now. It's funny. I probably get more nervous now sometimes than I really did then because yeah. everything was just, you know, you're so not used to it. It was just happening. Mm-hmm. You let it happen until you enjoy it. And uh, I actually went back to back. It was the first time in my career I'd ever gone back to back. I pitched again the next day in like the sixth or seventh inning. And uh, they never get you ready for it. It yeah. just kind of happens. And it happened in the big leagues to me. Uh, and it went well again. So, it was an awesome first series, yeah. That's awesome. What was that moment for you when you realized, like, all right, I'm in the show now, Not, like, off the field? Like, I've talked to guys like, yeah, I got Chick-fil-A nuggets on the plane. I'm like, okay, this is kind of nice or um, whatever it may be. Like, what was that moment pretty for much you? The same, yeah, pretty much the same thing, man. When you are when you get on a bus, it was that trip. You know, you get on a bus, it takes you to the private part of the airport. You don't go to security. You just go hop on a plane with just the team. And there's, you know, people on there handing you, you – whatever you want, you know, beer, soda, food, snacks, you get your own row. And it's just cool. I don't know how to explain it besides like, you know, show planes and show trips or their show trips. That's why they're called that. Yeah. Uh, they take care of you well. Uh, they treat you right. And, you know, one of the biggest things people might not talk about is like, you just share a room in the minor leagues and the hotels when you travel. And then you get to the big leagues, you get everybody gets their own. Mm-hmm. And like that for your, your mentals, like it's just, going back to a place where you don't, you know, it's nice to be able to talk to teammates and do stuff and hang out with them, mm-hmm. but you see them all the time. And so going back and being able to have a space to your own every night and not having to pay for it on your own mm-hmm. is like awesome. And once you, but once you get used to it and you got to go back down to AAA yeah. and you get to pay for, start paying for your own room again, that sucks. Yeah. But like, it's, uh, it, that's probably the two coolest parts is like you show up, up, I'll never forget showing up to Houston. Uh, for the exhibition series that year, I flew with the team. I wasn't on the roster yet uh, before the season started. And we show up to a super nice Ritz Carlton. You know, you, or maybe it was a four season, one or two. They're both nice. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. Uh, 
you walk in and you're and it has my name on the TV and it says, you know, like, welcome, Jeff Harder. And I'm like, man, that's kind of cool. <laughs> they don't put those up on the holiday ends when you're going to Lexington, <laughs> Kentucky. Uh, but uh, it's moments like that that I'll always remember because it's the first time something like that happens. It's really cool. Yeah, no doubt. No, for sure. Um, what was maybe what was your favorite? What has been your favorite city to play in um, as a as a major leaguer? Um, I'm probably a little biased, but Pittsburgh is freaking cool. Yeah, it's the cool one of the coolest backdrops in baseball. You got the bridges in the background. You go to the top of the stadium by those press boxes, and the view you can see. Uh, walking out of the dugout every day and seeing the cityscape skyline out there past right field. I mean, it's hard to beat. Yeah, the city's cool itself. And the fans, you know, they had a, they didn't love us a lot of time when we were there just because we weren't being, we weren't super successful. Mm. Uh, but they were still good fans, man. Yeah. Uh, they care a lot and you could always feel that even if they were frustrated and that was why they were saying what they were saying. Uh, not always frustrated at us and everything else going on too. Uh, so Pittsburgh's always, I'm always going to say Pittsburgh's up there. Colorado is a very cool park. Uh, it's a cool city, obviously too, uh, Denver, but Colorado, I liked playing in and, I mean, for me, St. Louis is that's where I'm from, and the first time pitching on Bush Stadium mound was arguably cooler than my debut. You know, walking out there, mm-hmm. and a lot of my friends and family, a lot of people from my hometown came, all my buddies, and hearing them cheering when I'm running out as an as an away player, and like it went well. You know, you get off the mound, it's just like, dude, that was freaking <laughs> cool. You know, I I've been to so many games in that park and watched it from the stands, yeah, and then. Watching guys like Pujols, Wainwright, Yadi, uh, Colton Wong, you know, I'm, I know Colton now and I, you know, I faced him a few times when we worked out together a little bit during COVID and, uh, getting to face Yadi multiple times, Wayno, uh, and I got to face Pujols when he's out in Anaheim actually out there. And so all those experiences together from like my childhood coming up and then just them being your peers almost. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to say I'm like Yachty's peer and Wayne yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not, I'm not their peer, but like I'm playing the same game as them at the same right. level, you know? Right. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, nobody take that away from you. It's some of the coolest, I mean, uh, for the rest of my life, I'll get to say things like that, you know? And so that's a cool perspective I get to have, uh, for sure. And so I, I would say St. Louis, and then I don't know if you've ever been out to LA Dodger stadium, mm-hmm. but, uh, it's a freaking party out in Dodger <laughs> stadium. Uh, they have a, the vibes are just different out there. You know, you walk in the park, you walk in the city and you feel it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's LA. It's yeah. fast. It's, I mean, stars are out. It's cool. I, that stadium is really, really cool. The view you got from the top of it too. You can see it on the whole valley and everything. It's, uh, it's awesome, man. Yeah. There's some really cool places you get to go experience when you play in this game. That's, sure. that's so cool. Um, what was that first feeling of like seeing a fan um, wearing your jersey, a jersey with a, your name on the back of it? maybe it was your wife or or family but still just in general i mean i'm sure that was the first person i saw but like the first person i just saw like a kid i was like man it's really cool i mean that's the only way to say it really like because it's it's, those are few and far between for a reliever especially for a guy like me too like it's you know i if anyone ever i always say to anybody like you know you have a lot of people asking you for stuff autographs balls this and they're always yelling at you Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if anyone ever knows my name when I'm walking by and they, you know, they get Mr. Hartley or Jeff, you know, whatever, I'll stop every damn time and time yeah. for him. I'll stop every time and do whatever. I'll take a picture, say hi, whatever. Cause it's, that's cool. I mean, yeah. that's not a lot of people get to experience that feeling. And it's a, it's a cool thing when you do. Uh, I got a picture from 
one of my wife's uh, cousins and her kids were out in the bullpen, out by the bullpen in Bush Stadium when I was pitching there. And it was them wearing my jersey just watching me run out into the game. And I mean, pictures like that are just, it's, yeah, it's cool. That's so it's cool. Really, yeah, it's one of those things that you just, you don't know how cool it's going to be to you till it happens and you see it. It's like, man, that's <laughs> something you work for right there. And, yeah. and then there's, there's some responsibility that comes along with that kind of thing too. And it's, I like that kind of stuff. I think it's, uh, it's a cool position to be in, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, what was uh, who's been your favorite, your our most toughest at bat? Maybe somebody who's like, hey, I cannot get them out, <laughs> no matter what team I'm pitching for, no matter where it's at. Yeah, uh, I mean, you could pretty much say any like contact first lefty is is harder. It's not hard for me, but like they give me my toughest at bats. But uh, we have a guy named Jake uh, Mangum here in camp who was at the Mets last year and just got over to the Marlins. Uh, he got traded here actually, but uh, I was talking to him when we were down here early, and I was like, "Dude, I freaking I hate facing you." Like, he, you know, he's a shorter guy. He, he all he wants to do is put the ball in play. He fouls stuff off. He walks all the time. Like guys like that just the pastry. They you know they suck to face. I'd rather face a guy who you know he's trying to hit mm-hmm. on. You can exploit that to a certain extent. You know, there's obviously exceptions to that statement, but you can exploit things like that. Uh, but Yasmani Grandal, uh, when he's with the Brewers, I face him quite a few times, mm-hmm. and he would take me to seven, eight, nine, ten pitches all the time and then flick a little slider over the second yeah. head or hit one the opposite way. Uh, he, he might not be the best hitter in the big leagues, but he's a damn tough out for me. Yeah. Uh, and I always like to say uh, Christian Yelich is with my agency. And so he's, you know, he's in the agency. I'm in the agency. Uh, but I faced him quite a few times with the Brewers as well. And uh, I'd like to think I won that battle. I think we faced probably six or seven times and I've, Four or five, maybe strikeouts against him. Nice, but he hit one. He he deked me into a throwing a slider and and he hit it out of the stadium <laughs> in PNC into the river. Uh, so he's got me <clears throat> on that, yeah. but I've got quite a few strikeouts against him too. So that's always a fun. It's fun for me to face a guy like him, uh, and he's got me, and I've gotten him. So yeah, I'd say those those two off the top of my head. I know they're both Brewers. Yeah, uh, from up by you, and I just gotta say Miller Park. It's always gonna be Miller Park for me, but. uh an awesome place to play too i really like city milwaukee we've always said we would play there if we could yeah no and once you get to the majors again like once you i don't know when the martins play here but like mm-hmm. i gotta I'll, I'll i'll circle that day on my calendar for sure and i'll, I'll be there yeah no for sure cool. um let's kind of end on this um what has maybe been like the toughest what city has like the toughest fans like the chirpy i've talked to guys who they said philadelphia obviously new york um mm-hmm. the white Sox. uh someone told me that they had pretty chirpy fans uh, in your experience, what was maybe like the worst area to play in, in terms of like fans? You know, it's in the big leagues. I'm gonna yeah. say probably Wrigley Field, which is a great place to play as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, the friendly, not the not so friendly confines yeah. at times. Uh, we were playing a series there in 19. We were just getting spanked. I yeah. mean, we lost by football scores that series. <sighs> and I I pitched in one of the games. I came in. We were down by like 10, I think. Walk a flock at the parties going on the on the speakers. The place is rowdy. They just had a couple home runs that inning, and I came in first pitch. Castellano doubled off the wall, and I was just like, "All right, this is what we're doing today." And like you know, they give it to you in Chicago. Yeah. They, they know that about that. They, they do. But I've always said that the hardest place to play with opposing fans getting on against the minor leagues at any level. An empty, the emptier the stadium, mm-hmm. and the drunker one or two guys are. The louder they are. The worse it is yeah. for you if you're pitching and it's not going well. I mean, they can – nobody else is talking, so everybody hears exactly what they're saying. And uh, 
a lot of guys like to give you come down to the bullpen, especially in the minor leagues, and just talk, 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 mm-hmm. and just. I mean, I've got some stories about some of my buddies. They weren't necessarily doing it to me, but getting after them, and it's just like it gets to the point where it's like, dude, just hey, we're gonna have a problem if you don't stop yeah. talking. Like, and but there's nobody down there. There's no security. There's no nothing. It's just, dude, they can do whatever they want. Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, you can't do anything. So that's I, the minor leagues are hard in the big leagues in terms of yeah. in person. That at that time, I've never played in Yankee Stadium, and I'm sure it's brutal there. I mm-hmm. have played at City Field. Even though I was a Met, they uh, I got some not so kind words from the Mets fans. But uh, yeah, those those are cities like that in Philadelphia are always going to be tough. Uh, but nothing compares to uh, Delmarva, Maryland. like they're just random places in the minor leagues where some guys are just letting you wear it. Yeah, you know, Charleston, South Carolina. I remember was a night where there was some like ten, group of ten college guys right behind our bullpen, and man, they. For no reason. And after the game, as soon as it was over, they were like trying to shake our hands like, hey, man, it was all in good fun. I'm like, that wasn't fun. Yeah. Like, no one down here wants to do anything but just hit you, man. Yeah. Like, just just go. Just, just get out of here. I'm not shaking your hand. Uh, so, yeah, I'd say the minor leagues is tougher. Yeah, you're not even joking because I've been to minor league stadiums and they're so small. The fans are like right on you. Um, yeah, even they can when, touch you. I yeah. Mean, they touch you. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Even when I was in uh, St. Pete this past weekend watching the Rays and the Twins, there was a group of guys next to me uh, and the whole game. They just picked one player. It was a first baseman. I don't know who he was, but they just focused on him. And the whole game, they were just yelling and chirping. Um, And then I went out to eat with uh, a couple guys after. I'm like, could you hear them the whole time? They're like, yeah, we heard every single thing they're saying. And I'm like, that's crazy. A guy gets a twenty dollar ticket and you know pays ten bucks for a beer and they think they can say whatever they want. Yeah. I mean, you know, to a certain extent, they're not wrong. It's you yeah. know the game is played for the fans. It's there for their experience. Yes, true. And it's unfortunate that it comes with stuff like that sometimes, but it's just part of it too. Yeah. You know, and you guys have thick skin to play this game, and you know, you get paid a lot of money in certain situations. To I'm not saying that's your job is to take the abuse or whatever, but like you can take it you know it, it, there's some stuff that crosses the line for sure at times and it's happened to me too and you just be like hey man just like yeah, no more of that yeah. you know and there and there, sometimes there are security guards who can help you out and get them out of there but sometimes there aren't and uh you don't have much of a choice besides just go out there and perform hopefully your name yeah. gets called and you just get to go in the game and you don't got to hear them anymore you know yeah. that's 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 the best case yeah well let's, let's end on this i mean obviously i'm excited to talk to you this has been super cool i mean I, been about an hour. I don't want to keep you too long. Um, yeah. But like, what is like, uh, what is uh, what should Marlin fans know about you? Like, when you're not playing, obviously you have a family, young kid. Um, what is something mm-hmm. about you that maybe uh, fans don't know about? Shoot, what haven't we talked about? Uh, <laughs> Are you like a sneaky chef usually, or something? No, <laughs> no, the basketball thing usually my go to with that question. We already, we already hit all that. Uh, no, I mean, I got my my two year old son crew, my wife Elise. Uh, and our dog, we have a 65-pound, big, white, fluffy Samoyed oh, wow. who travels with us, too. That proves to be difficult at times as well. Uh, but, I mean, other than that, I'd say there's not a ton to know about me besides, uh, I don't know. I don't like to go out and do much. Do you I golf? I with the family all the time. I don't golf well. I do okay. golf. Uh, okay. And uh, I like to go out and hit around with the guys. I have a, a lot of fun doing that, actually. Uh, I mean, other than that, I, you know, I, I try and work as hard as I can. And, uh, yeah, I don't really have much else on, yeah. on that front. It's, you know, family, family first for me. I spend all my time doing that mm-hmm. when I'm not at the field. And, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I really, we get into Netflix and the, uh, right now we're watching Succession. 
uh, on HBO oh, okay. Max. I've yeah. never seen it, but it's a we get pretty deep into shows. And that's all we got. There's not much else to do when you're in these random cities, yeah. you know, all year long. Uh, see fall and stuff like that, but we do watch heck of a lot of TV in the South. That's for sure. No, that's for sure. That's what's up. Well, hey, I want to thank you for coming on. I mean, it's been a pleasure getting to yeah. talk to you and get to know you a little bit more. And uh, excited, like I said, once you're here in, uh, um, whenever whenever you get to my Milwaukee or Chicago or yeah. the oh, any Midwest town that's kind of close to here, mm-hmm. like I, I'm definitely going to circle those d- days on the calendar and and, and uh, go watch okay. you pitch for sure. I might, you might be hearing cool, me man. chirping. I might be. Uh, think, I gotta, hey. I'm just googling some chirps. <laughs> <laughs> Give me your worst, man. Go ahead, do it. I've probably heard it before. So yeah. it's big deal. No, no, no. This is the official Jeff podcast now. I mean, like, I got your back. If I see, <laughs> I tell all the guys on the pod, like, if I see people chirping, like, I'm going to chirp back. Like, this is like your official burner account now. Like, I'm going to just start clapping back at guys. <laughs> I got a friend who will remain nameless who has a burner account for me on Twitter and he goes <laughs> at people who come at me. So. Yeah, all I, right. I got I got one of my back pockets. Yeah. I got two. I'm yeah, whoever that right. guy is, whoever that guy is, like I tag team, we'll tag team, and uh, we'll we'll clap back for sure. Perfect, sounds good, man. All right, man. Well, hey, you enjoy the rest of your night. Um, and I again, thank you for uh, for coming on. Absolutely, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.